Hello and welcome to the First and Ten podcast. Uh, we are back with another fantasy episode. And joining me once again, we've got Ash from the Childish podcast. Well, uh, this podcast now, the fantasy podcast, isn't it really? Yes, that's right, bud. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so, so, feels like not too different. Well, I think last time I recorded it was uh, as we went into lockdown, wasn't it? So uh, Yeah, it was just about, yeah, we just, I think it was about three weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah it must be bang on because now it's been extended, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah. yeah, we're just we're, doing we're the lockdown, lockdown pods. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, at least we've got the draft, what, exactly a week away now, isn't it? The next yeah, Thursday? Yeah, can't wait for that. I think everyone's looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely going to uh, break things up a bit. So, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't convinced when they uh, kept free agency on, but I was so glad they did in the end. Um, yeah, so today we're going to look at some of them rookies. Um, gonna, you've got your top fives for sort of them offensive positions. Um, we're going to run through them and uh, yeah, see who what players could be making an impact for you uh, pretty quickly. And you know, some dynasty, well, some drafts, uh, rookie drafts already started, but I think the majority start sort of in the yeah. near future, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some will start in May. I've got some rookie drafts that start in August. They do it right up to the end of the season. Yeah. So um, I quite like the ones that start just after the um, actual draft, though, because you, you kind of you don't you don't have a feel for training camps and yeah. OTAs and stuff like that. So you're kind of going in a little bit blind when you're picking them, which is is more down to people that do more research on their dynasty picks that they'll they get the better value once it gets closer to the start of the season people can pick on who's done well in training camps yeah and by then there's so much more info from all the fantasy people have got more and more sort of um info and research into them players so sort of doing yeah. it now sort of i don't know i guess it feels it's, it's obviously not real life but more real more realistic isn't it drafting uh, yeah, earlier on definitely. yeah definitely um, okay, so we're going to start off with uh, tight ends, which, you know, um, not the best bunch, but um, you have got a top five there. So what, do you want to start with number five? Uh, yeah, number five for me is uh, Harrison Bryant. Um, he's 6'5", 245. Um, he took the John Mackey Award last year for the uh, country's top tight end. Um, and he led all tight ends across the country with 65 receptions and racked up 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he had a really good season, coming off a really good year. Um, the main question marks with him is le- uh, level of competition because uh, he's at Florida Atlantic, I believe. Um, and he's kind of similar to the man that's just above him. Um, and so you can, he's, he proved, he's proved that he's a reliable target, but obviously people are just worried of the level of competition. It happened with Adam Shaheen couple of seasons ago where he's they expected bigger things from him he's coming because he was a lower school um lad and he didn't really get to grips with the quality of the nfl the coverages that he's gonna see the route running etc so the small school guys for tight end i always kind of try and put a little bit lower just through that respect really just because they don't see the level of competition that the big guys do in the sec and stuff like that yeah definitely it's um so it's always nice to see that production. I think that uh, last year we did a, a draft sort of series with Lee, your uh, Chargers co-host. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's one of the things you like to see the production, but it's not the be all and end all either way, is it? Sometimes no. scheme and stuff can uh, hurt yeah. or help them. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, he's a he's a weird prospect, isn't he? He's, um, but someone I think in your sort of um, rookie drafts, you can probably get quite late on and probably going to have more chance of uh, a bit of upside, especially at the tight end position. It's a bit weird anyway, isn't it? 
yeah, I think a lot of these tight ends will come down to landing spot where once the draft's yeah. been. I think there'll be because at the moment there's a lot of scouts um, and analysts that have got really random uh, tight end rankings. So there'll be probably eight to ten tight ends in the top five of random analysts. So once the landing spot gets def- gets sorted out and you see how much some of these teams spend in draft capital, then you'll see a bit more of a consistency with the rankings. So at the moment, there's a lot of wavering just because you, you're kind of going off. There's a kind of a mixed bunch and not really a consensus one or two. So it's going to be interesting to see when these landing spots happen, that how will the rankings change for most people? Yeah, because, I mean, for me, none of them are first-rounders at all. No, no way, no. no I, I can't even see them being first. Most of these will go, come, start coming off the board, sort of end of the second round. Most of them, if I'm honest, will be third round, unless it comes, starts going into sort of tight-end premiums where you might see one or two, depending on mm-hmm. how high they get picked in the draft. They, you might, if on 16-team league, say, they might come off the board a bit earlier. Um, but for the majority of your leagues in Dynasty in 12 teams, you're probably looking at getting these guys um, in late in the second, early in the third. Yeah. Well, even last year, Hawkinson and Fant, so we mentioned before, I can't even, not even 100% sure, they went in uh, many first round rookie drafts, really. I don't think they were sort of borderline, weren't they? But both yeah, of them. Borderline guys, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And these, this group is definitely a uh, level below them. Um, yeah, well, let's not move on to number four. Who, who have you got there? Uh, number four is Adam Troutman. Uh, he's 6'5", 255. Uh, big pass-catching tight end um, that has really excelled against the letter opposition that he's played um, at Dayton. Um, he's heavily tar- he was he- heavily targeted um, in college and, and he's really reliable hands. Uh, but again, the questions arise about the level of competition and, and maybe against more physical coverage. But to be fair to him, he went to the Senior Bowl, did really well. Um, and he also didn't hurt himself at all at the combine. He actually looked like he belonged there. So um, more plus points for Adam Troutman. That's why I've got him just a little bit above Harrison Bryant. Yeah, he feels like because of that, um, as I mentioned, I feel, I feel like he's somebody that could go a bit higher than we maybe expect just because he did sort of yeah. show that he can do it there. Yeah, definitely. Best competition. Yeah, I'm expecting him to sort of come off the board probably in the early third round of the actual NFL draft. I think that he might be, um, he's one of them upside guys that people do take a chance off when it gets into them sort of third rounds. You normally see like the consistency of the first and second round of the guys you're expecting to go off the board. And then by the time it gets to the third round, you do see some of these lower school prospects jump into this pool in the third round. So this is probably where I'm expecting him to go in the actual NFL draft. Yeah, once you get to that third round, I think on the whole, teams are just sort of going for that bit of upside, aren't they? And yeah, uh, I feel like he is that sort of player that does have a bit of that in this sort of pretty poor tight end class. Yeah. Um, well, three, uh, up to number three, who uh, have you got there? I've got Albert O. I won't even try and pronounce his last name. <laughs> um, the, Missouri, the lad from Missouri. Um, he made a, a medium impact when he came in as a freshman. Um, and in his second season, I believe, uh, 2018, he was the Mackey Award winner. So he was it in 2018, and Harrison Bryan was in it last year. Um, many scouts had him at the beginning of this season. So we were talking about last September, and people were talking about this draft class. Most of the analysts had him as the um, tight end one, because uh, they said that he w- there was a possibility that he may have come out last year. Um, but this year was a largely a disappointment for him and other tight ends have now risen up and, and sort of 
levelled the playing field off in respects because he was pretty much the one that everyone was touting to be the tight end one in his class. Um, he's really athletic. He, if you want to watch the combine, he was the fastest tight end in the combine, um, and he has got the ability. Um, it's just the production hasn't quite lived up to his promising first couple of years. So that's why I've got him in number three. Again, big upside if, if he falls in the right place and, those, and someone can use his athletic ability. So it just be, uh, again, depending on, on landing spot to see whereabouts he goes and how high he can go as a potential uh, tight end one. Yeah, that's what you say. In um, real life more than fantasy here, I do quite like some of them sort of players you can pick up that were the sort of number one and then fell away in their final year yeah. for whatever reason because I think yeah. you can end up getting some quite good value from them can't you yeah that's right because there's a lot of people that do they do start to worry and they do, do start to overthink things as well some of these um, analysts and stuff so sometimes some of these players like Preston Preston Williams in last year's that everyone was saying how good he was at high school and he's like uh, five-star honours, same with Stefan Diggs. They've all failed because of certain reasons, injuries, other things, but talent in the end does come through, like you said. So some of these players that have clearly got the talent, it only takes the right coach to get it out of them. And like you said, you can get some real stars coming through. Yeah, I think sometimes then players that are sort of touted as the number one almost get hurt by it because everything they do is uh, sort of under scrutiny, isn't it? And uh, Yeah. So they, make, they have one bad game and it's just so so much bigger than uh, for other teams. Oh, sorry, other players, but yeah, interesting one. Um, so who is next up on your list? Uh, number two is uh, Bryson Hopkins, uh, six foot four, two forty five. Um, he's probably the best receiving tight end in the class. He moves like a wide receiver um, for his size. Um, he can beat defenses in all le- in all three levels. Um, and he's got really good catch radius and he's a pretty smooth route runner with burst and fluidity. Um, the big question of Mark about Hopkins is that he will only project as a two down. He's really not got the strength to play um, as a three down uh, tight end. So obviously he'll get less snaps, but he, and some of, sometimes he does this is question marks well over his drops because he has dropped a few, but he is quite heavily targeted um, for his team. So he is one of them players that, it kind, I'm not saying he is Evan Ingram, but he kind of reminds me that he's a little bit lightweight, so you could pro- he'll probably get injuries during the, the spell that you have him, say, if you draft him. Um, and obviously, it's going to come down to if he falls in the right place where a team likes that pass-catching tight end, that they can use him um, and move him around because he's one of the best move tight end prospects in the draft as well. So you can literally play him anywhere as kind of like a wide receiver. So that's why I've got him in number two for that that sheer upside yeah he is uh i think he's my favorite of this bunch just because you say he is that sort of weapon that some of these others probably aren't in the passing game but yeah yeah, he does definitely have his uh issues that even need to massively improve on to sort of stay on the field or he's only ever going to be like a number two tight end maybe isn't he if he's sort of like that really yeah but um, who have you got at number one then? Um, I feel like it's pretty obvious this one. But, uh... Yeah, num- number one is Cole Komet, uh, the six six uh, two sixty uh, out of Notre Dame. Um, he's prototypical size um, and got good speed to match as well. Uh, two star, uh, sorry, a two sport athlete at baseball, um, and he really showed off what he could do at the combine. Best vertical, thirty seven inches. Uh, best, uh, I think fourth best. Sorry, forty time at four point seven. Uh, second best broad jump at 10.3. So uh, 
there should be a lot of interest in how well he did at the combine. It's really put him on. Most analysts now have got him roughly ranked at one. There's not many that don't. Um, but again, it's going to come down to, is he going to fall in the right place? Will there be higher, higher tight ends that go with probably better upside, more athleticism than him? Not saying that he hasn't got it because obviously he showed it at the combine. Um, but there is some that are kind of like wide receivers. They are kind of like weapons. And for your fantasy, sometimes <laughs> the aspect of them being better pass catchers, etc., you're always going to look at them guys above, say, you're blocking tight ends. This guy is going to be a very good tight end in the NFL for a team, but he won't probably have some of the receiving skills as some of the other ones do in on this list. So, But teams, he'll probably go probably day two of this NFL draft coming up. But, um, and if he should, if all analysts are predicting it, he should be the first one off the board as well. Yeah, I think he's a big favourite now. I was looking the other day to be the first tight end taken. So, yeah, it's almost a certainty, I think, that he is the first first off the board. And you say it really does just depend on landings. But I, I, I do agree, though, he might end up being a better sort of real-life player than he is a fantasy player. But, yeah. I mean, for me, sometimes you just want a tight end who can score five, six points a week. And I feel like he can do that because he's going to be on the yeah. field, isn't he? Yes, definitely, 100%. Tight end's a tough position, and sometimes you just need somebody that's not going to sort of lose you your match-up each week rather than somebody's going to win it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's brutal in it in the fantasy aspect. Yeah. Where now you, there's probably, what, three or four elite. And then you've got a little tier below of the guys that have really pushed on the last year or two. And then you've literally just got, it's all cabin fodder. It's like you're trying to pick people up, who, who's going to be match-up dependent, who's going to play well that week. And it really does range apart from sort of your top top three and then probably another three or four guys underneath them. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard work to get your tight ends. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, there's a, a few interesting ones, not necessarily anyone that's going to uh, win you a league next year, but you never know. If uh, the opportunity and they land the right spot, then who knows? Yeah, but um, Yeah, we'll uh, move on to wide receivers next, I guess. Um, quite uh, Obviously, all the talk of this draft is how deep this wide receiver class is. So, yeah, again, this all depends on landing spot, really, doesn't it? Because... Uh, Someone could, one of the better wide receivers might end up at a worse spot, which to me happened last year. I feel like my sort of top three wide receivers all end up at pretty bad spots, really, and uh, yeah, don't really help them. So, I mean, obviously before they're drafted, it's uh, it's tough to do, but I'm, I'm forcing you to do it. So, uh, who, who have you got number five? Uh, number five for me is uh, T. Higgins, um, six foot three, two sixteen, really tall, long, rangy, wide out. Um, and really elite at the point of high point in the ball. Um, uses quick uh, his quick foot to fire off uh, defensive or press coverage. Um, smooth and long stride route runner. Um, and he's best when he's on the move, slants, posts, and uh, go routes. So he's really like your outside guy, your prototypical sort of outside guy. Um, he's got really good ball skills down the field. Um, and uh, overall, I think that he may not go in round one. There's talk that he's probably going to just slide into round two of this draft, um, just because of there's so much, there's so it's so deep that some teams are going to look at maybe spending getting a position that they can in the latter part of the draft, and then move, going into the wide receiver pool because, like you said, it's so so deep. So he's he's not really a dirty work. Uh, sort of guy. He's not really a middle of the field guy. He's more of an outside guy. So 
Um, but he's going to be very effective out there. He's going to be kind of like your Mike Williams-y kind of player in your fa- in uh, dynasty and fantasy. So he's num- my number five guy. I really like him. Obviously, a, a Clemson guys, um, so they know they know how to produce wide receivers. So um, I've got full um, belief in this sort of guy to to be a very good wide receiver at the next level. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, we're doing a mock draft right now, and he uh, went surprisingly high in that one. I'd say. Um, yeah, not not as high as I would have taken, but I say I was having this discussion with someone yesterday that I think some of these uh, receivers could end up falling a little in the draft just because I mean teams might just choose to take another position if they're sort of between two. I think you'd go with the non-wide receiver on most of those occasions just because you're going to be able to pick up whether it's Higgins or somebody else in that yeah. sort of range. You're going to be able to pick someone else up in the second or third that can have an impact from day one. But yeah, I like Higgins a lot and well, insane production didn't he at uh, college? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see um, with, with what they were doing in the draft, uh, mock drafts last year where people were looking at Metcalf as going middle of the first except, and other other wide receivers as well were, were popping up in a lot of people's mock drafts. I think the, the how mock drafts play out and how the real NFL draft plays out, I think that you will see a lot of the wide receivers that they're projecting in this uh, class that are going to be going. There's talk that it's one, one, maybe two guys in the top ten. I personally think that they that they'll probably slide towards to eleven to twenty. Um, them guys that they're predicting to go really early, um, and then after them three go, I think one, maybe maybe two might go at the end of the first. But I think there's a top four in this uh, class, and then there's a lot of other wide receivers that. A few other people that are putting in, like Brandon Ayuk hasn't made my top five, nor has Denzel Mims, and they're, they're sort of, um, and LaVisca Chanel, they're not in my top five, but they are ones that are hovering around. So, depending on the landing spot and how they're drafted, things can change. But there's, like I said, there's going to be a lot of wide receivers because it's so deep that end up that are really quality starters, but you'll they'll be getting them in uh, day two of the actual NFL draft. Chanel is one that. I love, he is one of my favourite players. But yeah, I think the injury sort of issues he's had and this sort of process of, I'm going to see him sort of drop down. And I think somebody yeah. might get a bargain with him. if he. I feel yeah. like he's, he's another one that needs the right landing spot, really, but he could be a star. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you mentioned them, but you haven't got in there. <laughs> Who uh, is at number four? Because it's tough to narrow these down. Yeah, number four is Justin Jefferson out of LSU, uh, 6-1, 202. Um, there's a lot to like about Justin Jefferson. He's just really, he's got a really good skill set. Um, it was amazing this year for uh, LSU, 16 touchdowns, I believe he had. Um, so yeah, he's nice high length, solid hands. Um, he's got pretty much the whole, whole package really. Um, really good route runner. Uh, one of the better ones in this draft. Um, and can, you can use him in a variety of ways. Um, and he's been he's a big clutch player as well. You see him turn up in the big situations, won't shy away from the big moments. Um, teams were worried about his speed before the combine, and then if you watch Daniel Jeremiah uh, talk about it, why he why Justin Jefferson's just about to run, he was expecting him to sort of hit four five five, and uh, Jefferson done a four four three. So uh, I don't think we need to worry too much about his speed because it doesn't really show on tape how quick he is. But he has got he's still got speed speed as well of all of the other abilities. So he's my number four. Nice. Yes, I think I just sort of took that little bit of doubt away, really, didn't it? He's yeah. He's really emerged as the fourth one. I think you said there's uh, the top four. I think he's really sort of pulled away from that, that other pack sort of yeah. as this has gone on. Yeah, he is. Uh, 
he's somebody's got a good chance to get a good landing spot as well, hasn't he? I think if uh, yeah. he goes sort of in that late first round, there's some good places that he could uh, end up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is is the sort of player that because of that landing spot, he could end up being the sort of best wide receiver out of these uh, rookies just because of that sort of landing spot, really. Yeah, I mean, if he goes to someone like Green Bay, say 31, yes. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball, you'll see him shoot up fancy boards. So there'd be, say, if someone like CD Lamb goes to the Jags and then yes. um, you've got Justin Jefferson going at Green Bay, you'll see him much closer in the dynasty community than you would have done before this, before the draft happened. So, yeah, like you said, a few landing spots of some of these guys that are very, very good talents. Once you start getting landing spots of a few of them, they will start pushing up your dynasty uh, rankings. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up as the sort of number one or number two wide receiver in these uh, rookie drafts. But interesting to see how that one ends up. Um, oh, who have you got number three? I think everyone knows who these three are, but uh, what order have you got them? Because that all seems um, to be the debate right now. Yeah, so my number three is Henry Ruggs. Um, he's 5'11", uh, 188. If you watch any tape on Ruggs, you'll just see speed, speed, speed. He's got game-breaking speed, uh, like Tyreek Hill speed. Uh, um, immediately as a rookie, um, he's going to be one of the fastest wideouts in the NFL straight away as a rookie. Um, and he's got the ability to stretch defenses vertically, take top off anything. Um, he's more than accomplished at doing other parts of his game. So if you think that he's just a speed guy, you, you're going to be in for a surprise because he is a very good wide receiver. He's more polished than Marquise Brown that come out last year. So uh, if you think that he's going to be kind of Marquise Brown, he's a lot better, in my opinion, than Marquise Brown. So um, you'll see games where he just torches teams um, and he'll, uh, he'll definitely do it this year in the NFL. He'll, he can open teams up with his vertical for underneath as well for other other wide receivers. So he's going to be very, very sought after for a lot of teams. So there's talk that someone like, if you fell into like someone like San Francisco, then they would know how to use this guy just with how much uh, movement and stuff that they do off the line. So if he falls in the right place, he could jump to most people's number one. Um, but at the moment, he's my number three. So San Francisco in particular would be a really interesting spot. Some of the stuff I could imagine them doing with him would be uh, pretty exciting, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I do think he is that player that is... I feel like he's been sort of unfairly judged just because he is fast. I feel like uh, people have sort of pigeonholed him a bit, but I think he is yeah, said a lot more than that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, if you see it for Alabama, he is, he's got all the tools to be very, very good at this level. So, yeah, if you're, if you're thinking he's just a vertical guy, he's, he's really not. He's got everything that you'd want in a wide receiver. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, number two now. Is it his teammate or uh, is it the other one? <laughs> it is his teammate for me. I... Not sure if he actually goes, if Lamb goes one, but Judy, Judy for me is number two. And but I think he might be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, he is pro the most accomplished in most things in uh, one out of the wide receiver. He's fast with the first step, second gear acceleration downfield, stretches defenses over the top. Um, he can run by double coverage. He's quicker than you think. Um, um, and you can pretty much move him all over the field. He did he did line up a lot in the slot for Alabama with Ruggs on the outside, but he can be this outside guy as well. So don't worry that he's just going to be, he's, he can only operate in the slot, et cetera. So he's got everything you'd want. Um, very elusive in the open field, um, phenomenal feet, and there's no real glaring weakness to his game. Um, really polished route runner. Um, and he's just been a, a, literally a stellar performer for... Um, 
Alabama literally since uh, he stepped in there. So he's probably the safest weapon in this entire 2020 class. So you're talking tight ends, running backs, uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks. I personally think he's the safest player. So if you're after no risk, like the actual NFL draft, then he's the guy to target. Yeah. What you said there, that's almost exactly what I've got written down. Just, I think he's easily got the highest floor of pretty much any of these players that we're probably going to talk about this whole podcast, really. Yeah. Um, well, number one, um, so I think most people probably know who it is. If uh, you listen to this sort of podcast, you probably know who uh, the number one is right now. Um, but who, who have you got there? Yeah, so wide receiver number one for me at the moment is CD Lamb, uh, six foot two, one ninety eight. Um, so he's really dangerous with the ball in his hands. Um, really well built. Uh, he's um, really difficult to bring down. Um, he, he isn't. He isn't the burner that Judy and Ruggs are. But his second gear to run away from defenders in the open field. He's really elusive. Um, consistently generates separation from his routes. Um, and along with getting out, like he's got everything that you'd want in playing outside and inside. Very, very comparable to uh, Jerry Judy. Literally, they are so close, one A and one B. And, and it could, it'll probably come down to landing spot for who most of these uh, analysts say will be uh, Dynasty wide receiver one or Dynasty wide receiver two. So he's the lock and loaded wide receiver one for any team once he gets drafted. So I can't really see uh, you. Um, worrying about um, him being a bust or not, I think he's he's lock and loaded as a very very good wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, definitely, he is. Uh, sort of, I think he's sort of the combine as well. Just sort of how athletic he is and sort of all the things he can do. I mean, yeah. Say you were in one of these leagues that drafts before the actual NFL draft. Out of these sort of landing spots, sort of anywhere from what like eight through to about fifteen. Where where would you want him to end up, and where would you uh, be dreading if you had if you were a CD Lamb owner right now? Um, if oh, if he went to San Francisco, it would probably make him the wide receiver one. Um, I think he could I, be the number one player in the rookie draft yeah. if he ends up there. I I a lot of people think that the Jets would be a bad landing spot. I think that's actually really going to be a really good landing spot if he falls to the Jets, just because I think Arnold has got the capability of getting in the ball um, and he's very accurate, Darnold. So even though CeeDee Lamb has got one of the probably the best radiuses for catching, like he literally, if you throw it in his vicinity, he will go up and get the ball. So you won't have to worry about that contested catches, all of that stuff. He's got such good body control to be able to get the catch. So, um, I think that yeah, San Francisco would one Jets two. If I had to, if I was going to worry about him landing anywhere it, within that vicinity at the moment, for me, I think that if he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'd be a little bit more concerned just because they've got Minshew there, and we're not really going to know how they're going to operate. Fournette is pretty much the main guy, so will the targets be down? They've already got Chark there, so for me, I think that if he went to the Jets, went to um, San Francisco would be would be really really good, um, but if he went to the Jags, it'd probably put him at number two for me, and Judy or Ruggs would be ahead. Yeah, so I think I don't think either of us are uh, big believers in Minshew. I uh, listened, well, obviously I listened, I did it, edited it. Your uh, mock draft for Lee, and yeah, you yeah. took a you took a quarterback for the Jags, and um, yeah, I don't think either of us are big uh, Minshew fans really. No, I, nothing against him. I think he's a very very good backup. I just yeah. think not. He won't. He won't win you. He won't win you 
more than eight games ever. <laughs> to me, if, if, they, if they go into this season with Minshew at a starter, they're probably getting Lawrence uh, at the end of the year or well, next year, this time next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that is wide receivers done. Um, running backs, uh, it's a sort of a weird group, isn't it? There's not really that um, sort of elite talent that we've had in some of, the, like, some of these uh, more recent drafts, but um, there's some players in there that are suddenly interesting, at, at least interesting. Um, who have you got at number five in that one? Yeah, for me, there is there is a top five and a quite a definitive top five for the running back. So number five for me is Cam Akers at Florida State, uh, 5'10". 217 pound um he was surrounded by ineptitude at florida state literally they were terrible at offensive line they had a terrible quarterback <laughs> so um but he has got a lot of talent um and he's more than capable of doing that in the nfl um and he'd probably be a better nfl back than he was a college back actually i think that he's got everything in his locker to be a very good back um like I said, he had one of the worst defensive lines in college, um, yet he still produced over a 1,000 yards per season over his three-year career. Um, very good at catching the ball, um, 69 catches. Um, and he's shown to be one of the best receiving backs in this class as well. So really soft hands, silky smooth uh, route runner and all aspects of his game. And he's got good playmaking abilities as well. So he can break off the big yardage um, and kind of get something out of nothing sometimes, especially in the open field. So Cam Akers is my number five. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, he's, uh, as I said, he wasn't uh, helped by his uh, college team, that's for sure. I saw a clip the other day where he, he somehow gained about 10 yards, I think. But uh, yeah, the, the the line literally just let the defenders through. I don't think any of them blocked a single player. So <laughs> it was a, a pretty good play. But yeah, I, I really like Akers. And again, we mentioned, keep saying it, but it's all about landing spot, isn't it? And But he could easily be sort of a good 1B, couldn't he, straight away and develop into more than that. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I think that he's got more than enough tools to be um, a three-down back in the NFL. So it's kind of, like I said, just going to come down to what team believes in him. Do they view him as that? Is he going to operate as sort of a partnership to start with? Something like a Devonta Freeman, Kev, uh, Tevin Coleman sort of system where Atlanta played. So if he falls into into a team like that, he's more than capable of doing a job um, for your dynasty teams as a flex option. So I personally think he's going to be very good, very, very good from day one. He's a yeah, he's a really interesting uh, fantasy player, and I think one you could probably, by the time the draft comes around, you'll probably get him reasonably cheap compared to some of these other running backs, and he could end up being the uh, best one early on. Yeah. Um, who, who have you got at uh, number four? Uh, number four for me is uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, he's five seven, so he's a smaller guy, um, two oh seven. Um, but don't let that fool you into thinking that he's just like a gadget back. Um, at the beginning of the season, he wasn't in anyone's probably first round, maybe late second. Um, and you've had like Etienne go back, Hubbard go back, Harris go back to school. So he's kind of risen up the draft board really, really quickly um, since obviously the season, the college season's ended. Um, but there is no better pass catcher in this draft. So if you're playing PP, uh, PPR, this guy, if he falls in the right landing spot, uh, will be an absolute beast. Um, this season, obviously, he's had Burrow um, throwing him the ball, so it's just been kind of like harmony, really, with what's been going on and how he's produced. Um, so his uh, junior season this year, 1,400 yards rushing, 453 receiving yards, 17 total touchdowns, um, and obviously a national championship to go with that. Um, and this kid is really something else in the passing game. can run every route, 
um, really compact, uh, but very powerful um, and dangerous burst on, uh, when he's in the open field. So if you've got him behind a well-drilled O-line that can kind of sign a kind of uh, move out and block up uh, further downfield, then he, he will find some big holes and he will, he will make you pay. So yeah, very, very, very good PPR back Clyde Edwards there. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. I, yeah, I really like him again, mentioned before, but that production in college is so good to see. And so it's not, not guaranteed to translate, but yeah, he feels like someone that can take it to the next level, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah, 100%. Um, number what's that number four? Uh, number three now. Uh, who, who have you got there? The running backs. Uh, number three for me is Ohio State's uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, he's probably one of the most complete backs in this draft class. Um, well, he doesn't have a single dominant trait, so he's not like really quick or really good catcher or really powerful, etc. But he does everything very, very well and and at a high level as well. So tremendous vision and cutting ability when given the rock. A quick first step and burst, and can it's a, um, anticipate every opening. Um, so he's re- he's just a really, really, really steady back. So last year, if you were going to probably compare him to a back from last year, most people would probably go to someone like David Montgomery. How high he went in the draft? Personally, he's much better than David Montgomery. So I think that you're probably going to get a very, very good starter and very, very good running backs from day one. So I think that if Teams like the Bears took Montgomery and expected him to be a, a sort of a two-down, three-down back. Whoever takes uh, J.K. Dobbins will be expecting exactly the same thing, but they will be getting far better production out of him. So, look at if you're going to be drafting J.K. Dobbins, he's going to be he's going to be ready to plug and play as a flex option from day one. Yeah. So my only issue with him is that um, I think sometimes in pass protection he can be a bit not weak, but not necessarily the greatest, and we've seen players in the past that have had that sort of thing that struggle to yeah. get on the field because of it don't we and yeah that's my only sort of issue with him really as if, when he's on the field and he's getting the ball he's great but it's just if he's gonna better stay on the field because of that yeah no no i definitely agree i think that's probably a trait for most of these running backs is yeah. all, they can always they can always pick up blitzes better and they can always pass protect a lot better there's very few that come out that are so established and so polished at that. If you want to talk about probably one of the best pass cap, um, one of the best pass blockers in this draft, uh, I think his name is uh, I can't remember his first name, but his last name Dallas, um, and he is a very very good pass um, protection, uh, probably the best the best one in his whole class. So expect him as a as a sleeper to go a little bit higher just because he's so good at pass protecting. Yeah, because you see. Um... At Green Bay, like Aaron Jones struggled to get on the field for so long, didn't he? Just because yeah. of that pass protection issues, and yeah. obviously last year and he there was, will uh... be there will be talents that are are exactly like that. That they're very good backs, but if like you said, if you can't if you can't start to get to grips with pass protection, then they'll start finding someone else that will. So there'll have to be a quick learning curve for most of these backs. Um, but I definitely think J.K. Dobbins has got the ability to be able to do it. Yeah, nice. Um, well, we're down to the final two running backs. Who have you got a number two? Uh, number two is uh, Jonathan Taylor for me out of Wisconsin, five ten two twenty five. So he's the biggest back of the as out of the five, um, and he's probably the purest runner out of the five as well. Um, just what he's accomplished over his three seasons. Uh, I don't think he's gone under nineteen hundred yards in each of his three seasons at Wisconsin. He was just an absolute beast. They just used him 
all the time. Um, he is not really a consolation prize for any RB team, needy team in Dynasty. So you're probably going to be picking him up sort of between the 1-1 one, one and the 1-5 of most Dynasties. Um, but he is, you know, people might be concerned about how much workload he's had, but I still think that he's going to be very, very good when he comes into the league. Um, they do sometimes they worried about his fumbles, but he's had so many carries that the reason is he's had so many fumbles is because he's had so many carries. So don't let that put you off if you're going to draft him. He's still going to be a very, very good back. Uh, uh, possesses all the traits that you're going to want uh, as a three-down guy. Uh, really strong, determined, shakes tackles off. Uh, quick burst and long field speed. He's come, literally, once he finds a hole, he is gone. You can't, they, there's no catching him. Um, so, yeah, entering the 2019 season, he only had 16 career catches um, and 155 yards in his three seasons. But he got he done a lot better in three-down aspect last year. So, 26 receptions just last year, 252 receiving yards and five touchdowns as well as recept, um, uh, in his last junior year. So, you can see that he has progressed as a running back as well so you I think that you're going to be getting a very very good workhorse back if you're going to draft him in dynasty yeah yeah he feels like he's going to be one that just comes in from day one and maybe he's not getting all the carries but by the end of the season he's one that could really have taken over a job somewhere yeah I can kind of see him being sort of like a, a Nick Chubb yeah definitely yeah I totally agree with that that sort of you end up trading away your veteran somewhere just because uh, you don't want to sort of hinder the rookie and he gets all the carries. Yeah. Definitely feels like that sort of player. Some again, obviously it depends where he lands, but yeah, I could definitely see him sort of winning a job somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, one more running back to go. Um, who, who have you got there? Uh, yeah, number one is DeAndre Swift, uh, five foot nine, two twelve. Um, he's my number one. Uh, he is just. Uh, a matchup nightmare in one-on-one -on -one situations. A natural in the passing game, really quick, really shifty, and he's got all the moves. Uh, if you sort of watch some of his tape, he's got some like nasty spin moves, cuts on a dime, uh, literally just makes defenders look silly when hear how elusive he is. Um, so for me, another Georgia running back. Um, he is. He's only had uh, 513 offensive touches compared to. 796 from uh, Dobbins and 986 um, from Taylor. <clears throat> so over their college career. So obviously he's had a lot less touches than Dobbins and Taylor, but this guy's got everything you want as a running back. So yes, he's my number one. Yeah, he, yeah, he is again. He's uh, just all round, just such a good player. And I mean, it's good pedigree, isn't there? With uh, the Georgia running backs that have come up before him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's he's just got everything that you want. For me, kind he's kind of like a mini Alvin Kamara. Um, so if he turns out to be anything like him, then expect him to be a very, very good dynasty asset for your team. Yeah, he yeah he's got all the sort of sort of possibilities of being uh, the number one player drafted this year in most rookie drafts. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that. Finishes up the running backs. Um, we've got quarterbacks to go. Um, yeah, there's uh, obviously some prospects that are likely to go pretty high in this draft. Um, and then there's sort of, it feels like there's sort of two tiers of quarterbacks, maybe maybe three if you uh, put Jordan Love on his own one, on the sort of second tier. But um, obviously you've got to put one of those other quarterbacks in. Which one of them do you prefer? Sort of, there's, a, there's a bunch there, isn't there? 
Yeah, for me, and because it's obviously we're looking fantasy, we're not looking at who's going to be the best quarterback um, because people would just be, everyone would just be getting like Jake Froome as, the, yeah. <laughs> as, as a game manager. We'd kind of be looking at um, who's going to score your points. And for me, it's going to be Jalen Hurts, uh, 6'1", 220. Um, he's obviously not your prototypical quarterback for an NFL, um, but with the modern NFL breathing life into sort of taking a QB and then working around him um, and looking at his limitations, what it can, he can't do. This guy is really athletic um, and he can be, they, if a franchise gets hold of him that's creative, they can use him in that respect as well. So his athleticism jumps off the page when you watch him. Um, he played under Saban and Riley, so he knows what it means to succeed. So if he, there's going to be coaches there that are going to expect stuff of him, I think that he can do what they're going to ask him to, um, to sort of, they set out a good game plan that he'll be able to, pull everything off um but he's gonna he's gonna get you a lot of points in fantasy with just with his running game so he's really athletic and if you if he was going to start as a qb in the nfl you're probably talking about him sort of picking up sort of 50 to 100 yards just as it is rushing a in it um a week so for that aspect he's my number five just because if he can't get the job done with his arm it'll just tuck and run in situations and you'll be get picking up points um, with his legs, so that's why he's my number five. Yeah, we've seen it so many times before, haven't we? You don't necessarily need to be a good. I'm not saying Hertz isn't good, but you don't necessarily need to be a good passer to rack up fancy points like Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles. They've all been sort of pretty reliable fantasy quarterbacks, despite the fact they're pretty rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this guy, I think this guy's he's, he's. I think that he's going to be okay, and I think he'll he'll either be good enough to be a starter or be a very, very good backup for teams. Um, but he's got that, he's got an upside of someone like RG3. So that when you've seen him um, sort of how much he used to run when he was at Washington, I can see that Jalen Hurts that could potentially, um, if given the right landing spot and a, and a coach that sort of can believe in him and be able to use him in that way, you can probably see him be racking up some fantasy points. So if he can fall into the right, sort of right team um, then he's definitely a good dynasty stash probably in the second and third round of your uh, drafts obviously if it's super flex you're probably still talking second round before him depending on how early he's taken but yeah that's why he's my number five just because I think that the athleticism for him is is really high so yeah um, say number five is probably going to end up playing out based on maybe because it feels quite like the Patriots pick up one of these sort of this bunch of Hurts from and uh, Eason, don't they? So if one of them lands at the Patriots, there's a chance they're starting, or maybe yeah. pretty early. So if one of them lands there, then obviously they jump up the rankings. But yeah, I think if you were drafting now and drafting before, I think Hurts is clear of them other two for me. Yeah. Um, number four. Um, oh, I'm assuming uh, number four is who I think it's going to be, but uh, <laughs> who have you got there? Yeah. yeah, the number four is Jordan Love, uh, six foot three, two, two, five. Um, he's a bit of a polarising prospect, um, but has all the potential to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, he, he's got all the tools, uh, strong arm, can fire lasers downfield and to the sideline. Like, if you watch some of his tape, you're just like, wow, this guy's really good. And then you start watching it and you're like, there's other parts of his bad tape. And then you're sort of scratching your head thinking, oh my God, this guy. <laughs> he, he'll probably cause you a lot of headaches in fantasy. One week he'll score you 45. The next week he'll probably get you like minus three or something. <laughs> but um, he's got all the ability to put the ball where it needs to be, uh, can create special plays from nothing. Um, and if nurtured in the right way, 
um, they could probably iron out some of his inconsistencies. But he's got because um, some of them are like field vision, decision making that like can lead to turnovers. So you are scratching your head on some of his tape, thinking like, "What are you doing?" But the upside is huge with this guy. Um, but it will worry half the NFL, um, the actual real NFL owners, that they'll probably just be a little bit wary of trying to uh, taking this guy, especially early in in the NFL draft. So there's a lot of love for him out there, but there's also a lot of people that would not want to take him. So it'll be be really interesting to see where this guy lands um but for me he's got all the tools to be very very good uh, as an nfl quarterback yeah i think what's probably best for him is if he's not a particularly good fantasy quarterback first year because he gets drafted somewhere like the colts maybe where he can sit behind rivers for a year or mm-hmm. something like that i think that's gonna be the best thing for him if he can have a proper year of sitting yeah. and developing because i mean these quarterbacks always get thrown in don't they but somewhere like the colts who i think probably would be interested in if he does fall a little. Yep. I think that'd be such a good landing spot because I think they are going to stick with Rivers for that year. They're not going to just throw him in for no reason, like you said, with like the Redskins and Haskins last year. Yeah. Where they, they could really do without help, couldn't they, these quarterbacks sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Like, but of, we're, we're in such a market now where if you're taking these guys in the first round, they're, they're going to be starting day one, really. So unless he falls into day two where they can kind of because a lot of coaches now they're sort of on a they're all on tentative the the likelihood that if they have a really poor season after them it's just kind of like a win now really like you never you you're always being able to sit quarterbacks in the day but now this you if you take them early they're starting from day one so there's a lot of pressure on the guy's shoulders a lot of pressure on the coaches to win straight away so they don't give them the time that some of them really need to be able to develop because We've seen very, very good quarterbacks come into this league that haven't, that have just been thrown in the deep end with bad wide receivers, bad coaching, uh, bad offensive lines, and it's really, really not helped them in their NFL careers. So if this guy gets to sit, sit under someone that can teach him the right way of playing a uh, quarterback at the NFL, he could be, he could potentially be the best one of the group. But he really does need to find that landing spot. For him, I think it's key more than any other of these quarterbacks to find the right guy. Yeah, definitely. And say so, you just need the right team, a coach that's sort of pretty secure who can afford to do it. Like, as you saw with um, Mahomes, Reed, like Reed wasn't getting fired, was he? So he had the, all the sort of all the room to sit in for the year, like he really needed to. And yeah, yeah I really hope he does get that. Um, well, these top three have been pretty clear for some time, haven't they? Who who have you got a number three? Uh, number three for me is Justin Herbert, 6'6", 225. Obviously, he's the prototypical quarterback of the group. Um, really tall, um, displays good size, good arm strength, and the ability to make all the throws, uh, can fire passes into tight coverage, uh, push the ball downfield with it. Got really good arm strength. Um, like I said, yeah, prototypical guy. Uh, comfortably stand tall in the pocket, demonstrate patience uh, for routes to develop. Athletically, he was more surprising as well. So towards the end of the year and in the combine, they really showed off more of this athleticism in the ground game, um, which Oregon didn't really use previously. But obviously, it's more come out more recently how athletic this guy actually is through through the combine and stuff. Really intelligent guy, like super intelligent. Will be able to pick up, uh, read the game very well. It'd be a coach's dream, really, in that aspect. Um, coaches will love him for that. Um, his leadership is more reserved, so that's probably the one knock on him in the real NFL at the moment is, does he have the real leadership skills to pick the team up? 
um, and be capable as a franchise leader. But I think that he's got all the tools in the game. He's going to be one of them ones that will... It, it, it's not going to worry about landing spot for him. It's just going to be time for him. And I think that once he starts learning, uh, learning the game more... He, because of how intellectual he is, he's just going to pick things up pretty quickly and he's just going to ride with it. And I think he's going to be a very, very, very solid NFL quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Um, I say he's linked heavily with the Chargers for some time. Um, obviously, yeah. there's rumours that the Dolphins are keen on him as well. I mean, say he does land at the Chargers, is he starting day one or is it Taylor? I, I just think with everything that's going on now, with obviously coronavirus and everything, I yeah. think that most of the quarterbacks that are still at the um, at these NFL teams, other than probably Joe Burrow, will sit this year just because I think that most of the teams that will be looking at these guys will already have some quarterback in the building that is established enough to get them through probably the first eight games because obviously we don't really know what's going on so what's going on with training camps what's going on with OTAs once these guys get picked up how long is it going to take for their medicals to happen etc etc so a lot of these guys that if they do get drafted they're going to have to there'll be a lot of stuff with learning the playbook via video and things like that which they've never had to do before um, with what's going on with this coronavirus so I think that any of these teams that are picking these guys up, it would be wise anyway to sit these guys for the first year. But you never know in the NFL. If, if some of these teams are win-now mode, then you, you might even be expecting to start earlier on. So, obviously, we'll just have to see how off-seasons play out. But for me, at the moment, I would say if Herbert went to the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor would definitely be the starter. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. As I said, the situation right now really helps these veterans, doesn't it? Keep, keep hold of these jobs yeah. because... There's not really going to be many opportunities for them, even if I assume the season's a good chance it gets delayed, I would guess. Um, but who knows at this stage? But yeah, it's uh, yeah, not not favourable for the rookies to come in and win them no. straight away. Yeah, so it's going to be a really hard off and um, off season for these some of these guys, especially quarterback, because obviously the amount of stuff you've got to learn, all the all the plays, etc. So even for a quarterbacks that have moved teams as well. So some of these quarterbacks that oh they've moved from this team to that team. Like people like Nick Foles and stuff, they I'd be shocked if they're starting. Like Trubisky's been in that offense. He knows the system. Foles might be the better quarterback, but he's had no off season to prepare. He doesn't know what's going on at the moment. So you'll see a lot of this as well with te- with quarterbacks that have moved teams probably Brady aside just because he's so goddamn good um, that might might need a little, little bit of time before they get to grips with what's going on in their new franchises. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting point as well for when you're drafting that maybe some of these established guys that someone like Stafford further down who's just been there for years is probably more valuable than he's probably being drafted and there's rookies we're focusing on. But players like that, I think you can get later on that probably are going to sort of have an advantage over some of these other players. Yeah, definitely. Like like Rivers, I mean, he's now gone, although he has worked with, with the guy before for the Colts. So maybe with him as well, it might be a more easier transition. But there will be some, like Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be going into that new new system. Like he's going to have no time to play with play with all his wide receivers. There's going to be a lot, lot to learn under Matt Ball's system. Like some of these quarterbacks, you, I do a little, I do not envy with how they've now moved to teams and now they've got to learn all this stuff with the off-season they're going to have, where it's not, they haven't got the, the comforts of being able to work with, go out, go out to the 
the um, training facilities, work with these guys on the off season. They're going to have a short time frame to be able to learn this stuff. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do all this. Yeah, definitely going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Um, well, we've got two quarterbacks left. Um, pretty obvious too. Um, who have you got at number two then? Yeah, number two is to a um, six foot two fifteen. Obviously, if it wasn't for the hip injury, we'd probably say that he was number one. Um, but it was a horrific injury, obviously. Um, what he, what happened to him? Um, but there, talent-wise, he's he's got everything. Um, aggressive passer, doesn't hesitate uh, to challenge defenses downfield. If you, I know he had a really really good receiving crop. Um, at Alabama, but it doesn't take away the ability that this guy showed when he come on um, in the national championship game. Um, it just showed exactly what he is. Um, he's got all the qualities of the arm sh- in arm strength, uh, all the qualities in uh, accuracy. Um, um, shows real patience, doesn't panic um, when the first read is covered. Um, it's got real presence. Um, and yeah, just really, really, really fundamental guy. I'm really rooting for him. I really hope he gets drafted high. And I really hope that he comes out of this as one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I love Tua. I think they said that these rookies might not get um, sort of a chance to start because of the sort of issues. But I think he might actually help him really and yep. give him the extra chance to heal and really get back to what he is. But yeah, like, I loved him and... I mean, I, I still would have him as a, my number one if he had stayed healthy, I think. Um, I'd love to have seen how this process would have played out if uh, if he had stayed healthy and, you know, if <laughs> what would have happened in college football because obviously Burrow was still incredible. But, I mean, people seem to forget that the year before Tua was... A, like, Burrow broke Tua's record, didn't he? So it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing and two real top talents, I think, at the top of this uh, class. Yeah, 100%. These two guys, like, you're going to get very, very good dynasty assets with these two guys for if you're playing Superflex. Uh, I'll be shocked. Even with Tua's injury, I'll still be shocked if you don't really take these guys one and two in Superflex leagues just because of how talented they are. And this, the longevity you'll get as an asset, because you do see running backs, wide receivers, they do drop off. They do ones come in and out all the time but with young quarterbacks the amount of value you can get for them um especially in super flex leagues it's it's just paramount so these guys will most likely go one and two off your board in most dynasty leagues yeah i think i think so and i mean i imagine it will be well in the order you've got them here and they'll probably get drafted just because i think burrow is that safer prospect isn't he he's I th- to me, Tua's got that little bit more upside. Not that Barrow's got lots and lots of upside. I think Tua's just got that slightly higher ceiling if yeah. you had to sort of push me on it. But yeah, I think Barrow just got that higher floor, hasn't he? Obviously, because of the concerns of all yeah. the injuries and the, hip, yeah. the big hip injury. Yeah. Um, well, we started talking about him. I started going to number one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Big drum roll. <laughs> Who is yeah. it? Uh, yeah, Joe Burrow, 6'3, 220. I mean, all I have to say is this year, 76%. Uh, pass completions, 5,671 yards and 60 touchdowns. Like, end end of conversation. What that man put up this year was literally outstanding. Like, the probably the greatest ever quarterback season of anyone ever. Um, so accurate as a passer, can be any coverage. And his placement of the football is immense. Um, he can squeeze the ball into any tight window, um, hit any receivers on the run. Um, everything's in time everything's on pace 
um, phenomenal composure and comfort in the pocket and ability to handle any rush. Literally, I see him loads of times. He gets hit, <laughs> jumps back up, ready for the next one. Like he is just, he's a machine. This guy is an absolute machine. Um, some, some are probably doubting his arm strength as much as the other guys and his apparently tiny nine inch hands. But I wouldn't worry. I think that you just, you're literally trying to pick pick holes in a guy that is literally going to be a superstar as quarterback. So, yeah, Joe Burrow is number one. I mean, you saw it with luck when he came out, didn't you? The, I mean, he, he was just the easiest number one pick in ages for me. And, I mean, there's still doubts about him, wasn't there? So, it's always going to be that about him. But, yeah, he is incredible. And, yeah. And I think the thing with him as well, most rookies going number one don't go into a, a situation as good as he's got there. AJ Green, um, Boyd, even Ross. There's some yeah. really talented players there for him to play with. Uh, Mixon as well, obviously, is going to help out. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good spot, and yeah, I think he's going to be the number one player in most superflex drafts. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that brings us to the end of this uh, rookie class. Really, um, are there any other players, sort of just random ones out there you want to mention? Um, I mean, the wide receiver class is immense. Yeah. Um, for me, quarterbacks, it's all going to come down to land spots like Froome, Eason, probably be the next ones on the board. Uh, running backs, Zach Moss from Utah. Um, just trying to think of the other man's name. AJ Dillon out of Boston College. That He's been getting what he put up at the combine was pretty insane. Um, and there is a few other guys that there will be some... Uh, some surprise drafts uh, spots in the running back class because I think there's some very varied after the bottom after the top five. Um, wide receivers are going to be really deep this year, so that's where all the players will come in. Your Brandon Oaks, uh, Lavisca Chanel out of Colorado, Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Um, who else is on? The it's raid? tough wide receiver, isn't it? Because I said really? last year there were so many good ones that I mean it was tough for a lot of them to even get a decent team like. Kelvin Harmer like last year is one of my favourite players and he ended up going the sixth round but I mean, he still put up some numbers at Washington last year but I mean, it's just not the chance for some of these players so there are going to be some good players that end up in sort yep. of bad situations yeah definitely there'll be some that you'd be really shocked like Hakeem Butler last year everyone was talking yeah. in late round one ended up going in the sort of fourth fifth round of the actual NFL draft I think there's a lot of talent in the um, in this wide receiver class, like su- really superior talent. So there's probably there could probably be up to sort of 25 to 30 wide receivers that get drafted this year, which would be pretty unheard of of how good this group is. So you all sort of there are comparing it to the 2014 class, which obviously is it's a steep steep um, one to compare it to, but they are really excited about this. Um, this class and you will get some really good depth in the sort of second third round uh, Pittman Jr as well out of USC they talk now that he's rising up a lot of people's draft boards as well in the actual NFL draft so you might see him come off day two so um, uh, Jalen Rieger out of um, TCU um, is another one uh, KJ Hamler is another one as well so there's some really, really, really good guys in this wide receiver crop. So if the, if you need a wide receiver in Dynasty, this is the year. Count your lucky stars because this is the year you're going to get a load of them. So, um, and then tight ends, it's really going to come down to landing spot with tight ends. It's going to who gets drafted earlier and what sort of options will they have to become the tight end of that franchise. So there might be a few that you'd be able to get under the radar that you could sneak through later on in uh, a lot of your uh, rookie drafts. If you've accumulated picks, um, actually you have in our uh, in our draft, you've got you, you've got like the first three rounds are just all you, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. 
there is a chance with these titles to just sort of take a couple and sort of hope for the best, isn't there, really? If yeah, you can I sort think of stash that's, them away. that's exactly it with tight ends. I think that you just sort of draft the ones that you can see that have got a clearer path into starting um, and then just hope for the best, really. Like, yeah. it, you'll, with what with um, tight ends, you really will get some that have just come out of nowhere, like Darren Waller did last year and stuff. So you will get some that are literally just surprise you. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's... Uh... It's been about an hour now, I think, just almost. Um, yeah, well, we're, I think we'll be back soon-ish. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll come back after the actual draft next week yeah. at some point and uh, yeah. sort of go through some of these and sort of some of the landing spots you really like and that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, well, where great. can people find you um, on Twitter? And uh, yeah, the Twitter else? handle for me is uh, Tilza not nine ninety nines. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, we're first and ten underscore um, and first and ten on Facebook. We've got a quiz coming up. Well. It'll, by the time this comes out, it'll be tonight. Um, so, yeah, get on that. Um, it'll be on, streamed on YouTube. So, yeah, just uh, follow links. I'll be posting them all day tomorrow or today. You know, I keep, it's hard when you pre-record something and it's going out the next day. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah hard, to, hard to remember to say uh, today. But, yeah, that will all be tonight. And, um, yeah, hopefully some good fun. Um, well, thanks again for joining us. Um, yeah, it's been a, a really good one again. Um, and we will be back, as I say, maybe next week after the draft and... Yeah, hopefully we've got some uh, good stuff to talk about.